And I want to take you back to 1978. How many people were not alive in 1978? All right, lots of you. Excellent. Excellent. So you weren't there to witness this. Um, I was 27, had been saved at that point for a little over two years. And a church that I was involved in had started with eight people in a Bible study and now was pushing 500 people for church and for Bible study every Tuesday night. And we had outgrown every facility in the area. We were in Memorial High School. And one Bible study night, this young couple came into that uh, Bible study, introduced themselves as George and Grace Rosado, and they were from New York. Now, you all know the scripture, what good can come out of New York? Well, I was to find out a number of good things come out of New York. And, uh, and George and Grace had a vision at that point, and you're going to hear all about that today. But, but I just want to tell you, you know, I was there when they first arrived. I was there during the growth of their ministry. I was so blessed by them as a couple and by just watching. We sang a song that said, Great is your faithfulness. You know, there's something to be said when people are just faithful to their calling. They don't look for something else. They don't try to do something different and do all that. No, they just have heard a call of God, and they just do it day in, week in, month in, year in, decade in. And uh, that's what George and Grace have done. And because of that, literally hundreds and even thousands of young women, young women that had no hope when they walk in, walk out with a whole new life. So you're going to hear about that today, and you're going to hear from a woman that is, uh, is very faithful to that call from God. And don't confuse her loving, sensitive outside. This is one strong woman right here. She can put up with a lot of weight, let me tell you. And uh, she is such a blessing. Grace Rosado, would you come and share with us? Good morning. What a joy it is to be here. Thank you for those kind words. I, um, I'm honored to be here. I send uh, greetings from my husband, George, who is not well. And I know um, those of you that know him have been praying for him uh, for some time. But I thank the Lord that the work of the Lord continues forward. It's not about people. It's about the Lord's work. And um, as Pastor Ed was saying about 40 years ago, God uh, called my husband and I to open up a home for women with substance abuse issues. At the time, there was not one Christian long-term facility in all of New England that would take women in uh, with um, substance abuse issues. And when God called us, um, our response was, he said, who will go? Who will go for us and who will I send? And I said, here am I, Lord, send me. I had never been on the streets. Um, I never experienced drugs or alcohol, I have to be honest. I thank God that he saved me as a, a young child. Uh, I grew up in a wonderful Christian home. My dad was a pastor of an Italian church. And um, so I had a wonderful heritage. And when I saw my dad early in the morning on his knees in the living room praying, as a little child, I said, whatever he has, I want Never dreaming that God would call me to a work I knew nothing about. See, many times God will call you into places that you don't know anything about, so you'll depend on him. 
I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have the skills. I didn't know what I was doing. But all I knew was that God put a love in my heart for women. Women that were hurting. Women that were broken. Women coming in from all walks of life saying, I'm hopeless. I'm hurting. I'm broken. I'm ready to give up. I'll never forget one day a young lady was dropped off with her little baby. It was wintertime. And the mother dropped her off and said, I'm done. I don't want to ever see her again. Uh, Whatever you do with her is fine. The baby was about nine or ten months old and um, didn't even have a winter jacket. It was in the middle of the winter with snow on the ground. And she had this little, I'll never forget, a little pink cotton dress. And God got a hold of this young lady. Her name is Phyllis. And 30-some years later, She's opening up a program for women and children in the North Country. That's what God does. He is a restorer of life. And that's what new life is all about. It's a long-term program, faith-based, giving women a chance to find new life in Jesus Christ. Opening up a home, letting them come in at no cost to them, just saying, you know what? Obey the rules. Are you willing to give God a chance in your life? Then come on in. If there's a bed... We'll take you. Well, at first we started just with single women, but then early on we recognized women, the, one of the biggest uh, obstacles in women getting help was, what am I going to do with my children? I would say 90% of the women that we take into the home um, are single parents. And so we began taking in women and their children. And what a blessing that is. Because you know what? Women and their children are healed together. And so this morning, we're grateful to be here. It's about the life that they can find in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And um, you know what? He is. And he makes the difference in these lives. It's not the program. It's Jesus. And this morning, we wanted to show you uh, a short clip about uh, what God is doing in our midst. I want you to see this and hear what the, the Lord is doing. We give him all the glory. Now I've taken you to the center of Manchester because I want you to see what it's like here. Over 150 people died last year in this city alone from heroin and fentanyl and every other drug you can imagine. Now imagine for a moment growing up in an area like this. Many of the women who come into the home come from areas just like this one. Now in this city, over 150 people died outside of this city but in this state almost 400 people died just in this state and outside of that there are 82 cases that were still pending when that report was written at the end of 2016. That is a tremendous amount of people. Now imagine growing up in this environment, seeing this, and then being able to move to a beautiful home in a nice part of the city. New life continues to grow so that we can bring more women and children out of difficult circumstances and difficult situations and into a loving home. So we're excited to introduce you to our newest home. It's home number three for New Life Ministries, and it can fit three families. So right now we're looking at probably 14 to 15 people in this home because a woman with four kids would easily fit here. We're excited to see the growth of the ministry, and only because of your partnership are we able to maintain that. 
you saw earlier our first home, and now we have a second, which you saw. And this is the third, and they're all within walking distance of each other. We did that on purpose. We were strategic. Uh, we wanted to see the women be able to walk to classes and give them a little bit more responsibility each time they move between phases. Now, this home was not cheap. We had to pay $300,000 for it, and then we put over $70,000 into it to renovate it so that it's the best it can be for these women and their children. Uh, now, the city is in desperate need, and we were running out of beds, and it's only because of your partnership that we were able to buy this home and to move forward and to house more women and more children and see tremendous growth of the ministry and tremendous growth for them. I grew up in a very loving home with my father, my mother, and my older brother. Uh, my dad's a doctor. My mom's a ballet instructor. When I was in college, I had suffered an injury and was prescribed Oxycontin, and slowly I began using it with my older brother, and my dependence turned into an addiction which led to IV heroin use. I was hospitalized for four months from my IV drug use with an infected heart and an infected brain. I um, suffered seven strokes. The doctors didn't expect that I would live through it. They brought my family in to see me and just had them say their goodbyes to me that I wouldn't live another 24 hours. My um, mother's pastor came and prayed over my bed and within a few days I had awoken out of my coma. Um, and at that point the doctors said that the brain damage I was suffering was so bad that I would never regain um, any of my baseline functions, that I would basically be in a vegetative state for the rest of my life. Everything the doctors said wouldn't happen, God made possible. I was clean for a period of time. Uh, my older brother passed away from a drug overdose. He was everything to me, my protector, and you know, I just was so close with him. I just, I, I lost all hope at that point. And my drug use just spiraled out of control. I had a nine-year-old daughter at home, but I just didn't care enough about myself to want to come out of it. Um, an arrest led me to um, just take a look at my life and what I was doing and, you know, did I really want to give up? So I was brought to New Life Home in Shackles. I had no will to live anymore before coming here and I'm just so grateful every single day to be alive. The staff here is amazing. They go out of their way to make this place feel like a home for us. There's a sense of family here which has always been important to me is that family unity. I've learned to forgive myself. Um, I've learned just that there's hope in everything that God's doing. He's restoring my daughter and my relationship. He's restoring my family's relationship with me. My name is Giovanna and I am 10 years old. I decided to help my mom 
through baking because baking is one of my passions. My business is called Busy Bees Baking Co. And I donate all my money to the New Life Home for Women and Children. I think I've raised, I think $550. I've given $400 to the home. My mom being at New Life has meant a lot to me because before she went there, she was always down, unhappy, always tired. But now that she's at the New Life home, I feel like she's very different. She's always happy. She's always excited to see me. She's just amazing. Honestly, I feel in my heart that I would like to go back to school and get my doctorate. I want to help those struggling because I know what the struggle is to not want to live anymore. I'm so thankful that there was somebody praying for me when I needed it. And there are people here that are teaching me what God's all about. I want to be that light in someone's life. It's Giovanna. Giovanna, she went to Children's Church. Oh, Elizabeth Stand. Elizabeth's here. I'd like the ladies from New Life, um, our team, to all stand this morning. Come on, kids. I want you to stand, too, those that are with us. Thank you. You can be seated. Um, this is just a picture, a, a small glimpse of what it is that we're doing and the Lord is doing at New Life Home. If you'd like some more information, uh, there's a table over there and you can sign up for our newsletter and, and find out uh, more about um, how you can help the home as we grow, as we continue to minister to the needs of young ladies and their children. This morning, I would like Tyvesha to come and share... Um, why she came to New Life, Tyvesha, um, her dad and mom are pastors in Boston. And um, I'll never forget, I was at a meeting in her dad's church, and I, I hadn't met her. And he said, um, you know, you got to pray for my daughter. And I said, well, what's her name? And he told me, and I said, okay, well, we're going to believe God for her. We're going to start praying. He, he kind of looked at me, said, well, you know, I'm not sure, you know, if she's ready. And I said, well, you know what? How many times we've seen God work in the midst, even when it seemed like it was so hard, it seemed like it was an impossibility, but with God, all things are possible. Amen. Why don't you share? Hi, my name is Tavisha, as Grace was saying. I'm 33 years old, um, from Boston. Before coming to New Life, I was um, lost, alone. I felt unloved and hopeless. Um, nothing could satisfy what I was feeling inside, not drugs, sex, money, um, anything that you could find in the world that's supposed to satisfy you and fill you. Um, I tried it all. There was nothing there. And sadly enough, not even my three beautiful children could feel that, fill the emptiness that um, I felt inside. Um, so when I lost them to a, a dirty drug screen to DCF, I really felt like my whole world had caved in. Um, this whole deepened and darkened um, day by day. My, um, my drug use was... was completely out of control. Um, I used heroin to try to stop thinking about the, the pain I was feeling. I, I used cocaine to 
numb the pain that I was feeling, the heartache from the loss of my children. And um, my IV drug use came to an all-time low, and I began um, in illegal activity to support my habits. Um, Criminal cases, warrants, arrests became a part of my daily living. Um, At what would be my last court case that I would ever see, um, sitting in the audience, I could see my dad. Um, Sorrow in his eyes from the life that I had chose. Um, And a prayer, probably that only God knows. Uh, He sat there and he waited. And I was released that day from prison. Freed. Freed to go back to the life that I was living in, the hell that I was living in, or um, free to choose a new life with Christ. But thank God that my dad listens to the Spirit, because before I could even think about it, he was on the highway heading to New Hampshire to new life. Um, I'll forever be grateful for that day. Today I'm alive. Today I have a hope. Today, I'm restored healthy and whole to my children. Um, Today, I know who to go to. Jesus, when I'm feeling empty, when I'm feeling hurt, when I'm feeling like I'm alone, I know the well to go to, the well that never runs dry, the well that always gives me living water, Jesus. Today, I want to read for you um, out of John 4, 13. And Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Today, I have eternal life. Today, I know where to go to. Thank you. Hallelujah. We go to the one who can give us life, who can give us living water that will never thirst again. This morning I was um, just thinking about all that is before us, um, this wonderful meeting tonight, this time of prayer that um, is being held at the center, and thinking about the power of prayer and what God is able to do. With God, all things are possible. Uh, I've entitled my message this morning, Mountains Coming Down, and I've taken the scripture from Zechariah chapter 4, where it says, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And um, this morning I was thinking about all the mountains that perhaps we could be facing. In this book of, of Zechariah, it talks about a vision that was given. And the vision was that there was, uh, it was as though there was a mountain before them. And uh, the Lord said, it will come down, it will be like a plain before you. And then you're going to be able to build on that because it's going to be a plain that's level. And many times in our lives, there are mountains. There are things in our lives that are so difficult And we say, God, can you do this? This seems like a mountain before me. How am I going to be able to get through this? You know how many women come to us and say, it's impossible. In Spanish, it's imposible. It's impossible. This can't can't work. I've been addicted for so long. My life has been in in shatters. I, I, I don't even know how to deal in life anymore. We say, that's okay. We know one who can pick up the pieces, who loves you, who cares for you, who can heal every broken heart and bind up every wound. That's the God we serve. 
And this morning I was thinking about all the times that I've come before the Lord and I was remembering times of need, mountains of debt. Have you ever been there? Uh, A mountain that's before you and you go, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. How many know what I'm talking about? You, You got mountains in your life and you think, wow, how can I get through this? When we first started our ministry, it's a ministry of faith. And so we have to trust God for everything. We rented with the option to buy in a little town of Chester. That was our first home. Chester, New Hampshire, out in the woods, 32 acres of land. Nobody really knew that we were there. But we were there. And we started taking women in that were in need. After two years, our lease was up and we had to purchase it or we were going to lose the home. So we began to pray, and I began to pray and say, God, um, how are you going to do this? Because you know what? I'm a simple person. All I know how to do is call on the name of the Lord. I go to his word, and I say, God, I need you. I need a word from you, Lord. I need your help. My help, Scripture says in Psalm 121, my help comes from the Lord. And so I went to the Lord, and I said, God, what are we going to do? And the Lord brought me to a scripture in Isaiah. Isaiah 45, 3, and it says, I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches in secret places that you will know I am the Lord that calls you by your name. And I thought, okay. Didn't know exactly what that meant. Didn't know exactly what the hidden riches and secret places meant. But the next Sunday, we were at Faith Christian Center where Pastor Ed was presiding that morning. And he allowed my husband, George, to get up and share about our need and that we were in the midst and needing to purchase this home. And George just shared our need and sat down. No offering taken. It wasn't that kind of a thing. It was just an announcement. After the service, this tall woman gray-haired woman came to us and she said, "Um, I don't have much money. Um, Her name was Phyllis. She said, "Um, my husband passed away, but what I do have is a collection of coins that he has hidden under the bed. And it's there. And if you come, you can get this box of coins and cash it in and use it towards your down payment. And the Lord said to me, hidden riches. And secret places. Then another man came to my husband, a loving gentleman by the name of Tom Murphy. Some of you might have known him. And he said, George, he said, I used to work for IBM. And while I was there, they gave me this silver tray as a gift. He said, I just thought about it. He said, it's hidden in a closet somewhere. He said, but I'm going to go home and I'm going to get it. And he said, I'm going to give it to you and you can cash it in. He said, and um, whatever you get, you can put it towards the home. And the Lord said to me, hidden riches in secret places. Again and again, time and time again, God has been so faithful. He is faithful who has promised. That's what the scripture says and it's true. What impossible situations are you dealing with this morning? Are there things in your life this morning and you can hear these testimonies and you can hear the word of the Lord this morning? I want you to grab a hold of the word today. I want you to understand that there is nothing too difficult for the Lord. 
No matter what you're facing in your life, whatever mountain you're facing, like in Zechariah, it was a mountain before them. And God said, I'm going to make it like a plane. Those mountains are going to come down. If we would only believe, if we would only trust him, if we would only seek his face, God is able. Well, a few years ago, I was invited to this pastor's conference in New York City. And again, with responsibilities and cares of the ministry and life, I, I really was ready to say, you know, I don't, I don't think so. But the pastor of the church called me and he said, you know, he really encouraged me. He said, Grace, this pastor's conference, there are going to be hundreds of pastors. And you know what? It would be great if you set up a table, put out your material so that people will know the work that the Lord is doing. And I kind of thought about it. My daughter, Victoria, um, said to me, Mom, you should go. So I did. And as I was sitting in the meeting, I was trying to take in, but the burdens of the home were weighing down, weighing me down. And I was sitting there thinking of all the work and all the bills and all the responsibilities I had before me. My daughter called me in the morning, um, and she said, Mom, uh, we really need a miracle today. Uh, The girls' home were in dire need of finances, and um, they're going to close the electricity if we don't have thousands of dollars by today. I sat in that afternoon session, and I just cried. I said, Lord, what am I doing here? I should be home working. I should be home doing something. Here I am sitting in this pastor's conference, and at home, all of this is taking place. After the afternoon session, the pastor of the church, Pastor Simba, came to me, and he said, Grace, tonight I want you to sit with me in prayer meeting. And the young lady you have with you, can she give a five-minute testimony tonight in the prayer meeting? And I said, sure. So that night we were there, and nobody knew our need. Nobody knew what was on my heart and the burdens that I was carrying. But it was Tuesday night and it was prayer meeting. And over 4,000 people were in attendance. It's a marvelous thing when people come together to pray. You know, tonight is going to be a wonderful thing. If you go tonight to gather together in the name of the Lord to pray, I'm telling you, there's nothing like getting together in one accord, believing God and praying. There's an atmosphere that is created when we join together in unity. And there we were in this service, 4,000 crying out to the Lord, like, you know, like, like a, a, a choir, just crying out to the Lord. Young lady shared her story and shared about the redemption of Christ, how God had miraculously changed her life, that she had come out of prison and just God did a marvelous thing. The pastor then got up and began to speak a word. Um, And he used the scripture, is anything too hard for the Lord? And I was sitting there. And he began to share his personal story. The church that they had purchased was an old theater, and it had to be done over. And um, in New York, there are unions. You, You can't move without a union being part of what you're doing. And the call came into his office that the union had called and that if he didn't have a payment of $1 million that day, the union was going to stop the work. He was at home. He shared that it was a Monday. He had preached three services the day before. He was exhausted. 
And he said, okay, let me just go get ready. Let me shave. Let me go to the office. Let me do what I have to do. And he said, as he got up to do that, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, where are you going? Why are you going into the office? You don't have money there. He said he then went upstairs into his little prayer room. And he began, he got on his knees and he began to pour out his heart to the Lord and say, God, you know what? This building is yours. This need, Lord, you know my need. God, I need to hear from you. Lord, you can, you can do anything. Hmm. That afternoon, he never went into the office. That afternoon, his office called and said, you know, we opened up the mail. And there was a check from a donor for $1 million. As I sat there, I thought, Lord, you know our need. And you're speaking to me. God began to speak to me. When God gives you a word, he gives you a word to your heart that you know that you know that you know that's the word of the Lord for you. How many have been there? That God has given you a word in in season. I was sitting there and this was the word for me. Is there anything too hard for me, says the Lord? Is this mountain too big for you? Is this, and the Lord was saying, I'm going to bring this mountain down. Well, as the pastor was closing that night, they had an altar call and he said, before um, we do anything else, he said, I'm going to take an offering and half the offering is going to new life. When I got back to the table and he said, and and visit their table, there was not one brochure, not one envelope, nothing was left. I was on my way home the next day and I got a call from the pastor and he said, Grace, last night um, in the offering, we took the offering and we are sending you out a check for $40,000. I was um, in the airport and I was near a wall. I actually fell against the wall. You know why? Just the relief and just began praising God one more time. God brought down this mountain. One more time, he answered my cry. One more time, he met me. Through Zechariah's prophecy, God spoke, and he said, Who are you, O great mountain? Who are you to come against my people? Who are you? And you know what? Sometimes we can name these mountains in our lives. Who are you, O O debt? Who are you, O sickness? Who are you that you would come addiction? Who are you? And it's actually directed against the spiritual forces of darkness that try to hinder our, our journey with God. Hmm. Who are you, enemy, that you think you're going to stand in the way of the plans that God has for me and the purposes that you have for me and my children? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think of you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. That's what God tells us. That's what he has for you and for me. Are you here this morning needing that miracle? Are you here this morning needing mountains to come down and answers to prayer? I'm telling you, the Lord brought me here to tell you there is nothing too hard for the Lord. Your situation and my situation is not too difficult for him. He can do what no other can do. We used to sing a song as a child. I'll never forget it. Um, Do you have any mountains that you think are uncrossable? 
any values, you, you can't tunnel through. God specializes in things thought impossible. And he will do what no other power can do. Oh, I'm telling you, God wants to move by his Holy Spirit. Mountains will come down. And when they do, there's a beautiful plain. There's a plain that you can build on. There's a cultivation that can happen. You know, I say to the ladies at New Life, it's wonderful when your mountains of addiction come down. But what are you going to do after that? When God has freed you, are you going to just say, well, that's great. My life is, is totally changed, but what are you going to do with what God has given you? Are you going to cultivate that plane now? Are you going to be able to share the gospel with others? Are you going to be able to tell others, once I was in sin, once I was in bondage, once I was blind and now I see? Isn't that what the Lord wants us to do when he takes down our mountains? Isn't that exactly what he has for us? That we would cultivate this plane that he's given us when he takes down those mountains? You can say he healed my marriage. Well, you know how many marriages need to hear that testimony? Do you know how many people you can sow into that he will cultivate that? Oh, yes. He doesn't just save us to save us. He doesn't just give us testimonies just to give us testimonies. It's not the end of the story. It's the beginning of what he wants to do in and through us. Hallelujah. The scripture says, it is not by might. It is not by power, but it's by his spirit, saith the Lord, Pastor Ed. I told you she has some fire, huh? Come on. You know, we all have favorite passages of scripture, and one of mine is in Luke 7. It's the end of that chapter where the woman comes in to anoint Jesus. So you have to understand this. First of all, she wasn't just a woman. She was a prostitute. And you have to understand that where she was, there was no other women there unless they were serving the men. She walked right into this house that was filled with men. And she did something that was unheard of. And, and Jesus says something to her, and it's just something God put in my heart to see the depth of this. He pre, this this uh, leader named Simon, he's thinking, what kind of a man, what kind of a prophet would allow a prostitute to come in and do that? Jesus gives him an example of, of the forgiveness of sin, but then he does this. This is what the scripture says. Looking at the woman, but speaking to Simon, he says, Simon, do you see the woman? See, because Simon didn't really see the woman. He saw the outside of the woman, and he was not happy at all. But Jesus looked in her heart, just like he looked in every one of your hearts, and said, I see you. Your parents couldn't see you. All they saw was what they had experienced. And, And yet Jesus said, hey, I see the woman. And George and Grace, many years ago, decades ago, said, you know, God, we see the women. We see the woman We're not Simons. We see the woman. And, you know, a lot of us will not have direct input to the opioid crisis or any kind of addiction. We won't. We don't live in those circles. We don't even visit a downtown Manchester most of the time. We don't know what it looks like and what it feels like to be in that environment. But you know what we can do? We can support. We can give. We can volunteer. We can do a lot of things. Today, as you go out, there's a table there. I would love to see everything gone off that table, like at that, uh, that uh, meeting of pastors. 
uh, and there'll also be an offering um, uh, receptacle that you can give. You know, planting good seed is always, always, always a good idea. You know, I was fortunately mentored by a man by the name of Jack Hartman, and if he taught me nothing else, he taught me that you can't outgive God. And and I would just encourage you today that if you have the ability to support this ministry, never, never in our city has there been a greater need than there is today. Three homes is a lot. A lot of payments, a lot of expenses. And if you know Grace at all, occasionally she has to, not occasionally, a lot of times, she has to be on the stump of, of trying to make sure her needs are met. It's a lot of weight. Uh, we can help her today. Take a little bit of that weight off. So, Father, I thank you for Grace coming to us and all of these, these wonderful women coming to us, women that uh, are living proof of your power and your might. The world searches for answers to this opioid crisis and, and realizes that their success rate with, with anyone that goes into these is, is infinitesimally small. It's below 10%, Lord. We thank you that, that faith-based ministries like Grace Runs with George New Life have such, such a higher rate of, of success in turning lives around. Lord, help us to be a part of this. Help us to, to share what we have to give. Lord, let us be faithful today to what we have heard, to the cries of, of many women who need what, what New Life has to offer. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your faithfulness and for our ability to be faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like prayer, please come up. If you'd like to talk to any of the women uh, from New Life, uh, I know they would be glad to talk with you. Um, Thank you for coming, and please give as you go. Thank you.